What's your favorite scary movie? where two 20-something LGBTs talk the horror movie of the week, real-life crime or events, and if it's worthy of being an honorary gay film. And yes, the titles are puns. I'm Elle. I'm Kate. Hello, everyone. Hello. So, so I don't, I don't know if you, y'all are gonna have uh, heard of this movie that we're <laughs> tackling today. It's called uh, Psycho. Am I, am I reading that right? Oh. Yeah. I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah. We're, <laughs> We're doing fucking, we're doing Psycho. We ha- had to do it. Um, yeah. The, the 1961, not the remake, which I joked yeah. to Elle that we should cover instead since they were like, oh man, the remake is on Stars, but not the original. <laughs> I'm like, well, <laughs> it's Vince Vaughn time. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's a sad fact, actually, that I've seen that version in theaters, but not this original. I've never gotten, you know, so if theaters Ooh. ever exist again, uh, <laughs> I, I would like to see it. But yeah, so we're doing the 1960s Psycho, uh, directed by Alfred Hitchcock, and written by Joseph Stefano. Uh, I I guess I, I'm just gonna have like a precursor here, and like I apologize that I, I don't know what's left to be said about this movie that hasn't been said already. But we're gonna try our darnest and just cover what we like about it, or if we, what we don't like about it. I don't know. Yeah, I haven't. I haven't screened L beforehand so they could <laughs> fucking hate it and I don't know but, uh, <laughs> so if, if if anyone hasn't seen it I don't know, maybe like younger or newer listeners um, it's it's based on a book but very very different from the book from what I, I haven't actually read it but everyone talking about like the involvement in it and the adaptation talk about the differences which we can get into but so Marion Crane has this this guy on the side that she wants to marry but he's like deep in debt and he's like wait, let's wait a few years and then she goes to work and happens upon there's like i think she works in like real estate so there's this real estate sale and they're like here take this cash money and put it in the bank and she's like what if instead i just <laughs> ran away with it <laughs> <laughs> but and so and then she happens upon this this motel and it turns out she is not the protagonist of this movie. Or, I mean, she's the protagonist, but she fucking dies. And spoilers. <laughs> Mr. Norman Bates. All right, let's just get into it, I guess. So you've seen this before, right? I think I asked you. Yeah, I've seen yeah. it before. Did you, so did you know, obviously we're going to get into spoilers. This movie's, I can't do math, 60 years old? 60 years old. Holy Christ. shit. <laughs> yeah. I was like, I gotta do math real quick. Um... <laughs> But did you know the twist going in? Did you know the subject matter? Like, I I had been spoiled it like mm. way before I was even into horror movies. Um, Damn. Yeah, I know. Like this is like just how prevalent this movie is in the film industry alone. Is like, I, yeah, I I knew about it, but like I loved seeing it anyways because the way it was done was very very well done. Um, and very enjoyable. Honestly, if I had seen this when if I was alive in 1960 and I saw this without knowing anything going into it, like, oh yeah, holy fuck. shit! I mean, <laughs> and, we, and we can get into that. We can get into how like, I mean, Hitchcock loved to fuck with people, but for this one especially, like, 
because so it first of all it was a big deal that they kill off janet lee like not even halfway into the movie that was like uh but before drew barrymore was killed off in scream like this was a big deal and like because mary i think in the book she's mary crane or whatever but from from what the screenwriter was talking about she's not really like ever like the main character in the book they just kind of shifted that perspective because they didn't they're like, who's going to fucking care about watching Norman Bates for two hours? And so it's like, yeah. so how can we... And so his pitch to Hitchcock when he was up for the job of of, write, of adapting this book, because Hitchcock just, like, was like, the book was kind of a hit in England. He was like, what's this? <laughs> and, and so his pitch, Stefano's pitch, was like, well, let's... What if what if we're following Marion Crane in the beginning? And it's it's about, like, you know, her trying to making this mistake but trying to make a better life for herself and for for sam for her boyfriend and then 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 that's when she gets killed and and so hitchcock was like oh my god we could cast like a star in the role and then she gets so he's like like a light bulb went off like oh shit Uh um and so because of this because of this big i mean i guess this isn't even the twist that i was talking about but i i guess i think this is a big this was a big deal and because of this Hitchcock realized, he's like, well, what if people come in late and the, the whole time they're like, where's Janet Lee and she's already dead? And so that's when he came up with the idea of, like, the, the gimmick of not letting anyone in the theater once it started. Mm-hmm. Like, arc light rules before the arc light. <laughs> so, like, no one, no one, they, they, they got, like, if, I guess every theater manager in the country, they got to agree to this. But, like, it was a whole big part of, like, the draw to this was that no one is allowed in the theater once it starts. Uh, yeah, I, I love gimmicky shit like that. Like I love all like the William Castle stuff that he uh, going on. I don't know. Yeah, or, like wait wait until dark where they're like, we will lower the lights to the legal limit for the last ten minutes. Like, <laughs> I think it just adds to the theater going experience. I think it's funny. Like just just show up on time. You know, it's not. That- yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, I've been talking so much. <laughs> no, you're fine. <laughs> So the actual movie, uh, yeah, well, I guess I should say my experience with it was I was lucky enough, but I was young enough when I watched it that I didn't know. I was obviously aware of Psycho because like you said, it's such a huge part of just the zeitgeist and culture in general. Like I I knew about probably like the shower scene going in. I think I probably knew that Janet Lee was getting off, but I didn't know um, the big reveal. And so... I don't know how young I was when I watched it, but I remember it blew my mind. So, so it's it, it is fun to watch this from the perspective of not knowing that, and especially like Anthony Perkins' performance. Yeah, because that was another like big casting choice, because he was he was just a good boy, you know. <laughs> that this uh, <laughs> they wanted to make him more like, I guess not sympathetic, but like. No, th- no, they did. Because they, uh, yeah, they did. They did want to make him sympathetic. Because in the book, he's just like this bald, middle-aged, fat dude, and the the screener was like, "No one's gonna care about that." <laughs> Let's get so- Anthony Perkins in here, and what he does with it, like, you, you really do like believe him, I guess. You know, <laughs> like, yeah. Can't trust uh, no white boy. <laughs> can't you cannot? Well, yeah, this was kind of the start of all that. Like b- before, it was always like the monsters were very visible, and in this, it's like. 
God, we see this all the time now of like fucking there's fucking serial killer fandoms on the internet of people like <laughs> whoopifying these these white boys, but like this was kind of the start of that because uh. because you can't trust them. Like you you're you're even supposed to think like you're led to believe that like he and Marion might have something going on or something. Like that's what Janet Lee talked about was like the the bait and switch of like oh if you go in blind to this you're gonna think it's gonna be some kind of like romantic love triangle or something it's like no that's not this at all we tricked you <laughs> that got this on camera <laughs> oh my god i also just like the more stuff i watch with janet lee the more i just like appreciate her in general uh, but like her <laughs> performance in this um there's a lot of a lot of subtleties going on, especially I love the like inner monologue that she's having in the car where she's like imagining what people are saying when they realize that she stole the money mm-hmm. and she's like thinking about it. And then she just has this like smug look on her face when she thinks about the dude losing his mind. Like, oh, she was flirting with me and everything. And she's just like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but then she's also really good at playing on Marion's, like, stupidity of, like, how this woman who has never committed a crime in her life, probably, suddenly committed a huge one and cannot hide the guilt. Like, she's so bad at it. When, oh, with yeah. The, with the cop and with the, the car salesman, it's just like, girl, like, you are being so obvious. <laughs> I think you would have been caught if you hadn't been killed. <laughs> yeah. Come on. So tell me some of your thoughts on this, Elle. Uh, God. <laughs> it's, it's just such a well-done film. Um, and, like, to, to think that uh, before the music was added to the film, mm. Hitchcock didn't think it was going to succeed. And he was going to, like, cut it down so it could be put on TV. But then they did have the music added in the iconic, you know, string Mm-hmm. Uh, music, the string, string only, uh, music added to it, and he was like, like one third of the reason why this film succeeded was because of the fi- was because of the music that was added to it, like kind of oh, like yeah. Jaws. Um, oh yeah, well, and the- it's so tied to it. Like I can't even like you can't even like even even just like the the motion of like somebody like with a like handheld like they have a knife and going re 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 like that's yeah. the first thing when like <laughs> you're like someone's psycho and that's they make that notion. Um, that's and powerful you, shit, are, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you hear, you hear the strings in your head. It's like, it's, it's just so well done, and I honestly do love it, especially, it's like 1960s when it came out. Mm-hmm. And, like, killing, yeah, yeah, like you mentioned, killing off the main, well, the main, air quotes, protagonist. Um, okay, like, just right, the like, fact that she was a, a big star, yeah. Yeah, just, like, that wasn't heard of. So it's like, oh, you've seen one twist. We got another one coming. <laughs> and you don't even know. I'm just, I just have more Hitchcock fuckery trivia facts. But, like, he even, yes, like... Yes. Uh, so I keep saying the big twist, which I guess I should state, is that uh, no- the mother is dead, and it's been Norman behaving as her, like, this, like, psychosis that they later on explain, uh, which we can get into as well. But <laughs> to... To hide that, to, to hide those spoilers, he uh, like put out a casting call for for Norma Bates, and yeah. <laughs> like agents like submitted people in and stuff. Like I, it's so funny to me. I don't know, 
But um, <laughs> so in the so in the ending to explain all of that, there's this like psychiatrist that like once Norman's arrested for the murders, he comes back and he's like, all right, so here's what's going on. And apparently, like, I, I, I forgot what book it was, but I read this book about, like, the history of horror and how a lot of people hate that scene. Like, Peter Bogdanovich mm-hmm. specifically, I remember said he hated that scene, but, like, fuck off. <laughs> but, uh... <laughs> like, like, I honestly think it's important, especially... Well, maybe I... Should I save this for the later part? I'm talking about, like, gender identity and everything i don't yeah. know yeah probably okay so i won't get, delve into i it. won't get into that then we'll just keep talking about psycho <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> unless do you have the do you want to mention the true crime part now yeah sure uh, yeah he's <laughs> may not know this man his name's ed gein don't know <laughs> not a single thing adapted from from that <laughs> So, he was born on August 27th, 1906, in La Crosse, Wisconsin. Uh, he was the son of a, a timid alcoholic father and a fanatically religious mother. Uh, he grew up alongside his older brother, Henry, in a household ruled by his mother's puritanical preachings about the sins of lust and carnal desire. So, around 1915, Augusta, that's the mother, moved the family to a farm outside of Plainfield, Wisconsin. Uh, Gein rarely left the farm except for attending school. Uh, after his father died in 1940, uh, Gein and Henry began working more odd jobs to support the family, and in 1944, the brothers were burning brush on the property when the fire raged out of control. Henry was found dead, and although it was initially believed to be the result of the fire, the circumstances surrounding his death, as well as Gein's later activities, led to conjecture that the younger brother was responsible. So, Gein was obsessively devoted to his mother. He never left his house or dated women. Uh, after she died in late 1945, he became increasingly deranged. Uh, now he was living alone. He left her room neat and untouched while the rest of the house fell into squalor and he developed an interest in anatomy books. He managed to support himself as a handyman and despite his odd behavior as a babysitter. Oh no. <laughs> meanwhile, a few residents from the general area had mysteriously disappeared over the years. Among them was Mary Hogan, who ran a tavern in nearby Pine Grove that Gein regularly frequented. Uh, on November 16th, 1957, Bernice Warden was reported missing from her hardware store in Plainfield, with the cash register also gone and a trail of blood leaking out the back. Uh, her son Frank, a deputy sheriff, was suspicious of Gein, and the reclusive man was soon apprehended at a neighbor's house. Authorities were sent to Gein's home that night, and they were greeted by the gruesome sight of Warden's headless, gutty body hanging from the ceiling. Further investigation yielded more shocking discoveries, including organs in jars and skulls used as soup bowls. Under questioning, Gein confessed to killing Warden and Hogan three years earlier. Additionally, he admitted to digging up numerous corpses for cutting off body parts, practicing necrophilia, and fashioning masks and suits out of skin to wear around the home. If that sounds a little familiar, uh, the Leatherface from Texas Chainsaw Massacre, that's him. And also um, Buffalo Bill from Signs of the Lambs. Uh, With that sort of evidence, authorities attempted to connect him to other murders and disappearances from recent years, but were unable to draw any definitive conclusions. Gein's lawyer, William Belter, entered a plea of not guilty by reason of insanity, and in January 1958, Gein was found unfit to stand trial. 
He was committed to Central State Hospital, where he variously worked as a mason, carpenter's assistant, and medical center aide. So in early 1968, fast forward some 10 years, Gein was determined to fit determined fit to finally stand trial. That November, he was found guilty of the murder of Warden. However, he was also found insane at the time of the murder, and as such, he was recommitted to Central State Hospital. Save for his attempt to petition for a release in 1974, which was rejected, uh, the mild-mannered Gein made virtually no news while institutionalized. Later that decade, his health was failing, and he was transferred to the Mendota Mental Health Institute, where he died of cancer and respiratory illnesses on July 26, 1984. Uh, I just have to point out that of, like, calling him mild-mannered, that, like, <laughs> rubs me wrong. Like, he murdered yeah. women. <laughs> Excuse you. It feels so, it feels like that those news, like, where they, like, this white guy killed his family, and they showed, like, cute this family This promising photos. young man, yeah. Yeah, and I'm just like, okay. Okay. Uh, so, there's actually a section, uh, the story of Gein's gruesome activities, particularly his devotion to a dead mother, strongly influenced the novel of Psycho, uh, which was then adapted, of course, into the big screen. Uh, and he's also been referenced in other movie villains, such as Buffalo Bill, as mentioned, and Leatherface, and he's also been referenced to in numerous songs over the years. Uh, so, <laughs> no, no, no other family that I found living. Um, but yeah, this guy was creepy as hell. Like, just seeing his picture, he looks like that dude that would be on serial killer fandoms on Tumblr, that they would be like, ah! <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, no, do not. Here's my... Oh god, I'm about to say something stupid. Like, oh, like, someone has, like, a URL, like, asexual Ed Gain or something. I'm like, what the fuck? They got a picture of him with, like, a flower crown on or some shit? Yeah, exactly. Oh my god. <laughs> this just got bad. It, it is, like, we are not lying. Like, that. that's real shit that is happening on the internet. Not even, not even joking. Don't look for it, because it's awful, but it's real. <laughs> I promise. Oh, how did we get here? <laughs> well, okay. <laughs> Head empty. I feel like there's definitely even more things inspired by Ed Gain, but yeah. Psycho oh, yeah. He was in, he's in the Mindhunter Netflix show. Oh! Uh, I, I remember he's, he's in that, because that takes place in uh, the mid- 50s, late 50s-ish or so. Um, uh, it's just so weird knowing that this guy was alive when my parents were born. Uh, that's not that long ago. It's not as long ago as it seems, but it, it is. Mm -hmm. um, and, like, the, the, the crimes that were committed in Psycho were very tame. They were, it was very censored, but it's also been oh, yeah. one of, like, the highest rated horror films of all time. And so many people, because a lot of people, when they were asked about it, they were they were like, we watched the knife go into our body, and I remember seeing the, like, the red blood mm -hmm. or something. And it's like, it, the power of human imagination filling in the gaps there for you. Yeah. Um, it was, it's, so, it's so well done, and, like, the quick cuts work extremely well, especially with the music in the shower, in the infamous shower scene. Um, and also, I did read that, Janet Lee and Anthony Perkins said that they actually didn't mind being typecasted after this movie came out because they said it was better to be remembered for 
something that's been very revered over time than to have been forgotten. Uh, but I do I do feel bad that they did get typecasted because I I feel like they're more than just the one role that well that they, was like, more broke Anth- out for. I mean I guess Anthony Perkins embraced that eventually because he yeah. made sequels and everything. But uh, like how was Janet Lee typecast? She was already a star. What is, what do you, <laughs> well I guess what you mean more is that she's like known for this above all else. Yeah, that, like that's her. Yeah, that's, the, her uh-huh, that's it. Yeah. yeah. Oh my god, I just I rewatched the like Eli Roth history of horror on slashers where they talk about this and like yeah like Jamie Lee Curtis points that out because she's like. That's that's what she's known for. Like that's what I'm gonna be known. It's psycho actress dies, and she's like, when I die, it's gonna say Halloween actress dies, and like yeah, there and she's fine with it. She's like, yeah, that's that's me. Like, and I think <laughs> Janet definitely had that same. Like she she was just happy to be there. She and like whenever people asked if like so were you mad that you like got killed off so soon? She's like, I never thought of it that way. Like she's very humble about it. She's just like, I just I just thought it would be a good movie and wanted to work with Hitchcock, and she's like, yeah, yeah, she's proud of it. Um, fuck, what was I going to say? Oh, the shower scene, heard of it. The, uh, <laughs> something I learned while researching this was that Saul, Saul Bass, who did the opening credits sequence, he's mm-hmm. done so many famous opening credits sequences, he storyboarded the shower scene. And yeah. there's like all this disc, there was this discourse for a while that he <laughs> claimed he directed it directed the shower scene like physically and everyone's like uh no man you weren't there hitchcock like physically directed it but you get the credit for the storyboards and everything Mm -hmm. like it was a collaboration but i just that was a funny piece of discourse i didn't know about but like it makes sense like because it's so visual and it's so um reliant on like the editing and everything like it was a game changer and so like it makes sense that it was like storyboarded by someone like that like i don't Mm -hmm. know um There's a funny story about, like, Janet Lee's like, uh, what she had covering her up oh, during yeah. the shower scene started, like, falling off during one take, and she's like, well, I, the crew's just gonna see something now. <laughs> 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 like, th- th- yeah, this, you talked briefly about, like, um, them getting around the sensors and everything, like, this, this really pushed a lot of limits with, like, the haze coat and everything this it was the like in the the book is more violent like she gets her head cut off in the shower yeah like that would have been yeah woo and also just a lot of it it's a very like sexual movie like oh yeah oh opening that opening scene um Holy shit. Like an, unmar- <laughs> uh, an, an unmarried couple in bed and she's in her bra and oh my god, the, the vapors. And then like, <laughs> and then like Norman's motivation is like based on sexual repression. I assume like, or like mm-hmm. that's what clicks the, the mother in, in him unleashing is his sexual desire for Marion. And that's also like very, uh, a controversial subject for something in 1960. It's also oh, yeah. the first time a toilet is shown on screen. <laughs> <laughs> like, the- Joseph Stefano was just like, I've got to get a toilet on screen somehow. And they're like, okay, you got to write it into the script. And so he wrote in her, like, tearing up the pieces of paper and flushing them down the toilet. Yeah. Like, and-, and he was, like, so worried that that was going to get, like, brought up by the censors and they didn't care. They cared. <laughs> I was like, I think they care more about, like, the naked woman in the shower than a toilet, but yeah. thanks for pushing buttons here, man. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, like, because um, they had to write it so that way, like, it could not be cut. 
yeah. from it. And I, it, that's just so funny to me that he's just like, I gotta get this in. <laughs> gotta get this toilet in. It's, <laughs> it's hilarious. <laughs> yeah, and, and especially with the 1960s, um, like, showing, you know, like, the aftermath, of course, of, like, an afternoon delight, I guess, at the yeah. beginning of a film. <laughs> that was not done, like, at yeah. all. Because I also, um, I watched the Addams Family TV show, which is hilarious, mm. and I think everyone should watch it. And they're, like, the first couple on, an, like, an American show implied to have a sex life. Like, it's never <laughs> shown, obviously, but, like, at the time, like, that was kind of scandalous. <laughs> Just, like, oh, to be back then and think, that's <laughs> the worst? These people fuck. <laughs> Even though they're married? What? And they have kids? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's it all seems so tame- by our standards now. Oh, yeah. But, like, watching it in that context, it really was a game changer. Like, and that's why it's, like, one of the many reasons it's remembered and regarded so highly. Mm-hmm. Like, not only was it just, like, everyone at the top of their craft, but it did a lot of things that just weren't being done. Yeah. I think Alfred Hitchcock said that uh, if... Oh, well, it was, it was something about, like, how he originally wanted uh, Janet Lee to, like, not, like, have a bra on, but, like, the censors were, like, absolutely not. Um, what do you mean? Like, she was supposed to be, like, bare-chested at, like, at the beginning of the film. Like, oh, her boobs were supposed to be like, out. <laughs> <laughs> Tits out. Tits out for Psycho. <laughs> God. And it's gone. It's gone through so much uh, re-ratings over. Like it's like PG, then to PG thirteen, and then like mm. R. And that's interesting to me because like, I don't. I don't think I could consider this an R rated movie. I think PG thirteen hits about right. I guess because there is some frightening imagery in it, and just like the, the sexuality stuff, of course. But like, on like some stuff that's R rated now, I'm like, holy shit. In compar- to comparison to this, no, no, not at all. Wait, is that, did they officially re-rate it PG-13? What is it rated? I've never even looked. Uh, I think it, like, I think now it's PG-13, but, like, when they showed it on TV and stuff, like, they were originally supposed to show it in the late 60s on TV, but then, like, the week before it was supposed to premiere, uh, Senator's daughter was stabbed to death by someone, they, they never solved the crime of that. Oh, um, and they were like, yeah, let's not show Psycho on film yet, uh, on, the, on the TV, just just quite yet. So they had to wait, like, a year, and then they decided to show it. But I think it was, it's TV, like, if it comes up, I think it's t- like TV 14 or something. Um, but, like, it just, it went through so many re-ratings through the MPAA over the years, which, which <laughs> I thought was funny. So Yeah, damn. <laughs> Get you a film. Get you a film. So yeah, oh, and we have to we have to talk about the ending, obviously. Okay, yeah. So that perfect, yeah. <laughs> so this is our third portion of the is it gay portion. So the perfect <laughs> transition. So yeah. So I, I mentioned before the ending, and because the the whole time you think that that Mrs. Bates is alive and well, and that she's the one that committed these murders because. And her son's the one cleaning up after her. And then you learn mm-hmm. that she's been dead for 10 years. And then you find out that it was Norman that killed her and couldn't deal with what he'd done. And so he first just, um, like, 
weekend at Bernie's did in, around the house. Like, had just had her body just chilling in a rocking chair, and that wasn't enough. And then he just started on taking, like, becoming her personality-wise. And so this yeah. is this is the... <clears throat> sorry, this is what the psychiatrist is explaining in the movie. And, like... <laughs> So this, I get, this is definitely, like, the problematic nature of the, the what some people consider the problematic nature of the movie. Like, mm-hmm. more than anything else, I think it's just, what, like, this is fine, but what it inspired in movies later on in horror mm-hmm. is, like, oh my god, y'all. So, like, <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, we'll have to edit that out. Um, because there's the question of, like, would you consider this trans or not? Which I don't. And no, not at all. But the thing, like, remember, remember when I went off on dress to kill? Because, because that was De Palma doing like psycho in the eighties, but made, just made it actually trans and gross mishandling of it. But, but when this it's it was more just like a, what, what would you say? Like psychological, yeah, identity like, problem. Yeah, the psychiatrist is like, so one guy's like, oh, so it's like transvestite, and the psychiatrist is like, no, uh, it's more, <laughs> no, <laughs> no. That it's, apparently it's the censors. Of, yeah. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Uh, it was just more of just like his, his mind. I think, I guess for lack of a better word, like fracturing after of what hap- what he did to his mother, and just like becoming, like the, the two sides. I guess the mother side and yeah. the Norman Bates side. <laughs> There are two wolves inside of you. <laughs> one is Norma Bates. One, one is the mother you killed. Yeah, apparently one of the things that the censors went went off on apparently was just saying the word transvestite. And they're like, yeah. you can't say that. And the screener was like, why not? It's it's a scientific term. And he literally had to like pull up a dictionary and like, boom. He's like, it's just a scientific term. Fuck you. And they're like, I guess. And, like, that's not even really a word used anymore, but, like, at the time, that was the language of, like, yeah. basically, like, a cross-dresser. Um, kind of like what, what Ed Wood was, but that was, like, for, like, yeah, that's not what Norman Bates was doing. But then, yeah. I feel like this somehow inadvertently caused, like, the terrible stereotype of, like, the trans killer, the cross-dressing killer in horror, which is, is a deeply problematic, but I don't, uh-huh. that, that was, that was, God. One second, pa- pause. <laughs> you fucker! <laughs> Go! Bad Oswald. Oh god, I hope you can edit that. Anyways. I can't. <laughs> what am I saying? You're ta- uh, the, the awful uh, trope of trans killer. Yeah! Which is like, not even. <laughs> yeah, kind of like you mentioned Buffalo Bill, which. Like, I, I just watched a. There's this really good documentary on Netflix called Disclosure mm-hmm. uh, that's all about trans representation in film, and they briefly go, they briefly address horror. They, like, show, like, a clip from Psycho, but don't really talk about it. I was amazed they didn't mention Sleepaway Camp, because that's probably, like, the worst example. Oh, yeah. And, but Silence of the Lambs, like, first of all, that's also a, a not exactly what transness is. No. Um, but for the longest time, it was... Uh, like, the culture's only, um, like, idea of it. They're only, oh my god, I can't think of the word. Exposure to it, or, like, you know, like... Yeah. And that, that's where the violence comes from. So anyway, but... 
So I'm curious, like, if, if Psycho at the time, like, caused, like, inadvertently caused some kind of, like, bias about, like, cro- transvestites or cross-dressers at the time. I'm just curious now. But... Oh, that's a good question. <laughs> huh, <laughs> much to think about. Gotta Google that. Also... <laughs> um, and in terms of queerness in this movie, it's also obviously Anthony Perkins, the actor. Like, not in the movie... He's more, but, um, Anthony Perkins was, like, I don't, he never used terminology like people say he was bisexual. Um, mm-hmm. I don't think, <clears throat> I, it, it's always tough, like, you don't want to give labels to people that never wanted to use that language or want, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. he kind of, he kind of lived a complicated life, but, cause, like, he mainly, he dated exclusively men into his 30s and then got married like in his late 30s to a woman and was like happily married and had kids yeah so i get but i just i i don't feel comfortable just calling him flat out bisexual because we don't know what he actually i just say they're not they were not straight yeah he wasn't straight yeah yeah that's all (laughs) that's that's easier i could have just summed that up huh it's like, this boy is too pretty to be straight, and he wasn't. <laughs> God. <laughs> I feel like I, this may just be me because I always see films through a queer lens. But, like, at the end yeah. where he's talking to uh, Sam while, um. Oh, yes! <laughs> and he's kind of looking at him, and I'm just like, hello. <laughs> I'm like, I know. I know it's terrible because he's the villain. But I could just see his face like, pretty boy sees another one. <laughs> I get it. Uh. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> no, but it obviously no, not 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 <laughs> not not LGBT representation in this film, but like the actor himself. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, there is kind of like not in this, but like hasn't it kind of become a stereotype of like the the deranged gay man obsessed with his mother, like oh, that, like using Norman Bates as an example. But they don't really explore that in the film itself. <laughs> but it has... Yeah, <sighs> yeah so, you know. Psycho's really good. good. Watch it. So, I don't know if you guys know this, but Psycho's a good movie. Yeah, don't know if you know. Heard of it? Anyways, yeah. Hear me out. Yeah, and and then watch the remake and get it back to oh, us. Oh my lord. I'm not looking forward to that day. I, I, oh, I, you haven't seen it? Oh my God. I've never seen it. Woo! I oh, watched boy. it a lot during my Vince Vaughn phase in middle school, so, um. Is that, like, the film that you would defend, like? With no, I would not defend it. No, oh, hold on. That's not what I'm saying. <laughs> okay. That, those are two different things. Okay, good. Because it, it, I, it's literally a shot-for-shot remake. Oh, like, I the hate only, those. the only thing... The only additions are Norman starts masturbating when he's peeking in on <laughs> Marion. <laughs> and then when Armagast gets killed, he starts, like, like, uh, there's just these, like, jump cuts and flashes of him seeing, like, cows and stuff. It's weird. It's Gus Van Sant being like, I don't know. Um, but, and it's in color. Like, that, and, <laughs> I'm not the pitching biggest this travesty of all right there. It's just, uh, <laughs> You do see Viggo Mortensen's, like, he's fully naked in the beginning, so I guess that, Woo. you can just want <laughs> And it's, it, uh, since it's the same script, it, it's kind of a little funny jab of, like, he's still fully naked, and she's, like, uh, leaving, and she's like, oh, you still need to put your shoes on. That's funny. 
Anyways. Yeah, you don't have to watch the remake. Only only I have to. <laughs> Kate watches it so you don't have to. I yeah, exactly. Um we can wind down now if you want. Sure. I'm down. Uh would you like to <laughs> start or Sure. Um okay. So, <laughs> watched a few things. I I I what I've been watching it, Tony Curtis is the star of the month on TCM, which I don't have, but I look at what they're playing and then find the movies elsewhere. Mm-hmm. And I watched a few that he made with Janet Lee, who was his wife at the time. Yes. If y'all didn't know. Um, <laughs> I watched, so there was one called Who Was That Lady? That, like, I don't know if you saw me, like, posting about this, but, like, and Sydney, our, our friend of the show, recommended it to me, and she said, you will never be able to guess how this ends. And I'm like, okay, what does that mean? And she was right. It it, it, it goes places you never would have thought, and it's, it's just supposed to be this, like, comedy, or so I thought, about, like, Tony Curtis is this guy who his wife walks in on him kissing another woman, and he's like, oh, fuck, my wife's gonna... I know, I'm like, oh, guys, just go to therapy. Just go to couples therapy. Um... <laughs> And he's like, oh, fuck, my wife's going to leave me. What do I do? Let me ask my friend Dean Martin. Um, first of all, they're hella gay in this. You can't tell me otherwise. But he's like, yes. what, do, what do I do, Dean Martin? And he's like, well, obviously what you have to do is tell her that you're part of the CIA. And this was all part of a cover. And he's like, yeah, let's do that. And it just obviously snowballs. Oh my and God. it's so fucking wild. Oh, my God. <laughs> That sounds like something a guy would do to be like, no, I wasn't. I was right? first. It's, yeah. <laughs> Obviously, uh, this was part of my cover. But I want to remake it, and it, it wasn't a lady he was kissing. It was just Dean Martin. And that's yes. <laughs> Go. But anyways, yeah, I like went insane, and then I also went insane watching Death Trap, which. So I'm. We're announcing it here and now because. I need people to watch this before we talk about it because it's going to be spoiler heavy and Elle doesn't even know what I'm talking about. I have, but I have Elle no knows idea. knows that we're covering it. Elle knows that we're covering it. That's it. Doesn't know what it's about. I'm like, go in as blind as you can, please. Um, Is because it on I also, or? Uh, we'll find it. <laughs> off, off mic, we'll find it. Um, no, it's not on Shutter. You can like, okay. you can rent it, but anyways, um. It's like this thriller, uh, horror thriller comedy with Michael Caine. I, I would pitch it as the horror version of Big Fat Liar because he's ooh. this like, Michael Caine's this like playwright who just had like a, a dud, a flop. And he, there's this student from his seminar that wrote this play that's really good. And he wants to steal the play from him and like kill him and take the credit for it basically. Oh. So that's like the premise. And that's all you should know going in because it literally like blew my ass off. <laughs> <laughs> so I cannot wait to talk about it and everyone listeners I'm giving you two weeks to, to track it down and watch it you can rent it on voodoo for like three dollars um nice <clears throat> uh yeah that's all I'll say <laughs> <laughs> and then I've just been re-watching succession just to feel something just to... aren't we all aren't, aren't we all oh my god <laughs> speaking of gay Jesus all right but what if... <laughs> Oh, and I watched um, California Sweet, which, again, Michael Caine. Uh, <laughs> <and> <laughs> fucking go to the Letterboxd reviews on this 
for California Suite and look at how many like gays are logging in <laughs> and like freaking out because Maggie Smith says the F slur. They're like, oh. she can do it. <laughs> she can. The range. I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, okay. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> yeah. So what have you been up to? I have watched a lot of films lately. <laughs> uh, and I caught I caught the good, the bad, and the ugly. Oh, okay. uh, my parents Perfect. were watching it once, uh, and I was just like, "All right, I'll just watch it with them." And then I watched The Searchers and 2001: A Space Odyssey in the same day. <laughs> uh, feel feel bad. Did you <laughs> grow a bad. film degree like dude or something? Uh, I, I haven't seen either of those. Actually, too long. Too long. 2001: <laughs> A Space Odyssey is too long. <laughs> I get why we show it in film class, but at the same time, must we? No, we should not. Um, <laughs> but then I made my life a lot better because I got to watch Sunset Boulevard, which was great. Oh, wig, yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I enjoyed the hell out of that film. It was great. I, uh, it's so good. If you haven't watched it, just watch it. Don't don't look up anything about it if you haven't seen it. Just. Well, I mean that. Uh, you don't really have to worry about spoilers for that one because you literally know how it ends from the beginning. Yeah, there's no spoilers, <laughs> but just like, but just Gloria Swanson is fantastic. Oh yeah, and I love her, and she should have gotten more roles that were not just the role that she had in this film, because um, that's all she was getting offered afterwards. Uh, but, anyways, but then after that, I watched The Graduate, because that hmm. was next on the list, um, directed by Mike Nichols, and pour one out. What a, f- what a, what a movie. Okay. Wait, explain. Okay, do you like it or not like it? <laughs> I don't know how to feel about because I didn't hate it, but I'm not like, you know, like not loving it. Like by si- it's just like I'm filming you watching. You're like, all right, I watched it, and now I can say I've I've watched it, and like it's a it's a good film. Obviously, it's a good film, but just like least- it's so fucking weird. <laughs> <laughs> what? Oh, I'm fascinated by this. I'm fascinated. What? Because yeah, this Banks was your first is, time, right? It was the first time I ever saw it, and I'm like, what? Clearly I, I, you were not a preteen obsessed with Simon and Garfunkel, because that's my <laughs> No, I knew, I like, I, I when Robert Everett was like, I don't know about the Simon and Garfunkel music, and then everyone's just, like, loving the Simon. I love Simon and Garfunkel. Um, but, like, Dustin Hoffman bangs this older lady, and then he's like, I'm going to date your daughter now. And I'm like, okay. Yeah. So... And then I watched the best fucking film, The Old Guard, on Netflix. Oh, my God. How did I not mention The Old Guard? Fuck. Thank you. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. You want to talk about gay rights? Gay rights. Heavy gay rights in The Old Guard. Like, explicitly gay rights. Literally, like, the first big action movie motion picture to have a canon gay couple in it. Like... Yeah, especially like a comic book film. Yeah, like it's ha- like it's happening a lot more on TV now, especially just like Greg Berlanti is like single-handedly doing that. But movie-wise, this is unheard of. Um, yeah. Sorry, I'm stealing your thunder. Talk about the old guard. No. Nope. Uh, first, Charlie Theron. I love mm-hmm. her in action film every yeah. day. Uh, all of the immortals are definitely not straight. Let's just get that. <laughs> down, write that. Jot that down. Um, just the the, perf- the 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 chemistry between all of them was so good. Like whether it was romantic or platonic, mm-hmm. and especially the romance of the film just being just like 
these two men who were on opposite sides during the Crusades and eventually became like this, like, they're the, this is the love of my life. And I was like, I about cried when I heard that. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's so good. And it's so great. And it's such a good film just on its own besides that. And I love that Greg Rucko was like, if you make this film, you have to have this speech part of it mm-hmm. in. You have to have the romance or it's not being made at all. And, and uh, Gina, Bly- Gina Prince-Bythewood was like, absolutely. And she she did that. And I'm just, <laughs> I'm going to rewatch it. With, I'm going to watch it with my friend tomorrow. Uh, and she's never seen it. And she wants to watch it. And I, I haven't told her anything about it. And she hasn't seen anything about it. I'm just like, I can't wait for you to see this film. You're gonna love it so much. It's so good. Um, so if you haven't watched The Old Guard, uh, get on Netflix right now and watch it. As my review. <laughs> co-signed. Go watch. Go watch The Old Guard. And yeah, I so... also have some. I have news that I am. I am finally moving <gasps> to New York. Woo! So... <laughs> you can add in up. like fanfare here. <laughs> <laughs> So I've been packing up my room, and uh, it's the it'll be the day after this airs uh, is the day that I officially go up to New York. So I'm very excited wow. for it, and like I can't believe it's actually happening. Uh, but the more I see more empty shells, I'm like, oh shit, this is actually real. So wow. my 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 weeks have been busy, that's for sure. For sure, yeah. Thanks for taking the time to talk about Psycho with me. Absolutely. Um, I guess. Oh, I should also announce. Speaking of the day after the day after this airs, or no, wait. By the time this airs, I, I the the episode will have been released. I was a guest on the latest episode of Horror Queers, talking about the old dark house. Woo! So you can check that out. That's what I was trying. <laughs> I can't form sentences today. I guess it's all good. Um, and so yeah, y'all have homework to watch <laughs> Death Trap. We are giving you homework right now. Please tweet me at Dyke Madden as soon as you watch it. I need to talk about it. <laughs> and you can also reach me at LM Designs. And the podcast is on Twitter at Horror Time Pod and Facebook at Stop Horror Time Pod. Uh, if you like what we do, just give us a review on any platform that you listen to us on. If you got friends that are interested in horror, especially from a queer perspective, we're totally about that. And... We are also for those who want to know more about horror, but just can't watch it. Uh, and so we look forward to talking about Death Trap with you guys in a couple of weeks. So until then, we'll see you later. Bye. Bye.